Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. This is episode 90, and I am Adam Zeller. Joining me is my usual partner in crime, Aaron Percival. How are you doing today, Aaron? Uh, not too bad, thank you. I'm looking forward to this uh, following conversation. Pretty excited about this one. Yeah, as am I. We've been planning this one for a little bit. Aaron and I are both massive fans of the third film in the Predator franchise, Predators. And recently we've been able to get in touch with Nimrod Antal, who directed that film with Robert Rodriguez producing. And um, we were just excited about the opportunity to discuss his experiences in making that movie. So we will be having him on the line here shortly. And without further ado, I give you Nimrod Antal, director of Predators. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Thanks for being willing to join us. So we're just going to go through these questions, and I believe you have the first one, Aaron? I do, and that is, again, you know, just first off, thank you for taking the time and come to chat to us. But before we do start geeking out, specifically about Predator, I was hoping you could just give us a little bit of personal background on yourself outside of the Predator series. You know, what inspired you to become a filmmaker and become, you know, in a position where you were taking on such an iconic series? Again, thank you for having me, and hello to uh, to all the Predator fans out there. And and you know, my journey started as a fan of cinema in general. I was just a kid who grew up that loved film, and I was having a good day. I'd go see a movie. If I was having a bad day, I'd go see a movie. I was uh, born in Los Angeles, California, to some Hungarian immigrant parents. I was uh, raised here on the west coast of the United States, and ended up studying cinematography initially at the uh, University of Film and Drama in Budapest. My parents were Hungarian and I had spent some time there as a kid and had the opportunity to attend the a cinematography program there. And then in my first year, I wanted to transfer to the directing program and the school wasn't very fond of the idea. I think that they, they thought I was too young. Uh, I kept on banging at the door and then ultimately they, I think they just let me in and I ended up finishing the film course there, and I spent a few years just doing commercials. I had a few opportunities to direct commercials coming out of film school, and it was a wonderful way just to learn, be on a set, and learn how to instruct actors and come up with compositions. It was just a great experience for me, and I spent a few years doing that. I then started to write my first feature film around that time, and it was a film that ended up getting invited to, it was a film called Control, that was invited to uh, some film festivals, and we got a lot of love, and it was something that was surprising to me, the film itself. The intention of the film was just to make a gritty little thriller in the Budapest metro system, and it ended up taking me further than I would have ever imagined. And I, I got an opportunity. I was approached by some folks at uh, one of the festivals, and they asked if I was interested in making American films. I, I told them, of course I was. And it had led to uh, some opportunities there. I made a few films for Sony starting out, and uh, one was a horror film called Vacancy, and another was a thriller, kind of like a bank uh, armored car heist film called Armored. And it was actually because of Armored that Mr. Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, had, had seen the film. And, and when they were making Predators, they were looking for some filmmakers. I wasn't even on a list at the time. My agent had asked if it was something that I was interested in doing. If I could digress for just a moment, as a 14-year-old kid, I had a Predator poster on my wall growing up. I was a huge, huge fan of, of the original film and and when I say a huge fan, I mean, I was I was a true movie geek growing up. You know, I'd 
ditch school to go see the Back to the Future trilogy release with my friends. I, we were a bunch of just film-loving kids, and the, the Predator franchise particularly, the, the first Predator film, more importantly, had this enormous role in my life just growing up, and it was something that I loved. And when uh, my agent had asked if it was something that had interested me at all, I... <laughs> flipped out because it was something that I'd loved so dearly. And uh, then I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Robert and from, you know, things took off from there. So talk, talking about, you know, the, the the poster on the wall sort of phase of, of your life when it comes to uh, Predator, this film, uh, this creature is, it's it's one of those enduring, you know, pop culture icons. And it's a huge part of the science fiction landscape. We have a tradition on the show of asking our guests, especially when they're like you, who have been able to play in that sandbox about the first time they actually you know, saw the film. So I'm going to guess it was specifically Predator 1 you saw first. And, you know, do you remember that first experience with our favourite school collecting extraterrestrial hunter? I, I not only remember the day, I remember the movie theatre. It was the Avco Theatre on Wilshire Boulevard here in Los Angeles, which is now a different chain. But I, I remember the, the friends that I had seen it with. And and if you guys want a, a goosebump moment that was, that was really magical was... The day that I received the phone call that they're going to give me the film, I was sitting with two of my classmates from childhood that I had seen the original film with. Very coincidental kind of, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That is. That was, that was, it was a beautiful beat. It was a beautiful beat. Yeah. You know, like you said, that the character is now part of this iconic motley crew of monsters that are forever now. You know, if we talk about the vampire or the werewolf, you know, Frankenstein. The creature from the Black Lagoon and the Predator—they're all there now. It's 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 incredible. And 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 having understood what an important role it played in my life, I immediately you know was aware of just how important it was for everyone else. So to be given the opportunity to to play with the monster, and when when we saw it for the first day on the set, you know, step out. It's funny because often in in interviews with filmmakers, you you hear you hear them feigning enthusiasm. And for me, it was it was sincere and it was deep and it was something that that I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to to partake in. For a lot of the fandom, the uh, specific predator designs, like uh, how they individualize the predator characters, are a huge part of the appeal. Do you have a personal favorite take on the predator character? I, I think, given that I was I grew up with the original film and it, I was at the right, I think, the perfect age for a kid to see that film. And, and I think that all the stars aligned for me. So, I, of course, I would have to always say the original will always be, for me, my favorite. And whether we're talking about, you know, the ABP films or, or just the Predator, the original will always be king. So your your classic Predator character, the one that's strung up on, on the totem in the film, design-wise is very similar to the Predator from the original. Was that kind of you wanting to do that homage to that film in your own? Certainly. And I thought that it was fascinating to we tried to pay as much homage as we could throughout the film. And I think that some of our critics later on accused us of, I don't know, maybe I don't know what, what how they phrased it, but they, they saw it a different way. And, and for us, it was truly just trying to pay respect to the films that had come before us and, and to the original, most importantly. But yeah, that's actually something we're going to ask you out, ask you about later on as well. Was that specific criticism? Okay. So we were also curious about how deep you got into the expanded Predator lore, especially since Predators share similarities with one of the more notable comics, Bad Blood. Had you read any of the comics or novels prior to uh, pre-production on this? As a kid growing up, I was in the comic shop when Dark Horse just 
you know, first came out and were more of an anthology series initially. And I believe that the the original Aliens versus Predator comic was introduced in a uh, Dark Horse Presents collection. So I read the original books growing up. And then I remember, you know, as a kid, I, of course, I read the ADP books, which were awesome. And, and so, so to answer your question, yes, I, I, I was, I was very much a part of at least the comics at that point. And then I, you know, as, as, as I got a little bit older and, and uh, started working, I didn't keep up with them as much as I would have liked to, but clearly that when I had the opportunity to go back, you know, I, I, I dove in head first. To answer your question, yes, I do know. I, I did read the books back in the day, and, and I was a fan of them as well. Do you remember reading specifically Bad Blood at all? I don't recall reading Bad Blood. I don't recall that. As a kid, as a kid. So when did that come in the timeline of the books? That was 90s, wasn't it, Aaron? Yeah, that would have been about mid-90s, I think. Yeah, at that point, I hadn't been as um, I hadn't been reading or keeping up with the books as I should have been. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It has like a big predator that's being hunted by kind of like a predator police, I guess, enforcer that enforces their honor code. And and the bad blood is just this predator without really any honor who just kind of slaughters other predators and everyone else. And and there there have been some comparisons made to him and, and the berserker predators in your film. But it's uh, it's an interesting comic. Yeah. Also, we wanted to ask you, you were you said that Robert Rodriguez had reached out to you after Armored. So so we were curious just how those initial conversations went when um, he he had talked to you about the, this gig. Did he ever plan to direct the film himself or was he always looking for, for someone else to direct it? You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if Robert had cho- chosen his producerial role over the directing role. I don't know what the, his reasoning was behind that. Um, I do remember our initial conversations. I do remember meeting him and uh, coming away from the meeting completely distraught. And under the impression, I completely messed up. <laughs> and yeah, I think that for Armored, what had appealed about Armored was that we had, you know, we had seven or eight performers in any given scene in, in, in a singular moment. And I think that seeing I was able to work with multiple actors on the floor all at once, I think that was something that was initially appealing to him, knowing our story and knowing where we wanted to go with it. And then, of course, as we spoke and he saw my enthusiasm for the Predator universe and the love I had for it, I think that also helped my uh, my fight. But, you know, regarding regarding as, as to why he didn't choose to direct the film, I, I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to ask him. But I'm really grateful, you know, to Robert. He took a chance and, and he gave me an opportunity that changed my life and, and was a uh, was a big deal, you know. And especially now, hindsight, with a few years past, I'm more aware of just just what a wonderful gift I was given. So I'm super grateful to uh, to all that were involved. Debates about predators is around the difference between the berserker predators and the classic predators. Originally, the berserkers were genetically modified in, in the earlier draft, and Alex Livtok, uh, or Litvak, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, talked about Livtak, um, talked about them being different tribes. But really, the only line in the film that alludes to that is is they're kind of... Excuse me, Litvak, I believe. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Litvak, no worries. Litvak, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, Nolan's character refers to them as like the difference um, between a dog and a wolf. As far as you're concerned, how do the Berserkers and Classics differ? Like, do they look so different because they were tinkering with their genes? Or are they like a subspecies, kind of like Homo sapiens and Neanderthals? Or are they like a, a different ethnicity? Yeah, I, I always just saw them as, as one species, just different tribes and whether those tribes were incorporating 
you know, genetic modifications or substances or whether, you know, I was, um, and, and this is something I want to be cautious answering because what I've found often in films that I've made, more importantly, more specifically, the films that I wrote, I find that often my interpretation of something is far less fascinating than some of the, some of the ideas that bring. And I often feel that as a filmmaker, I don't want to pollute people's... As a filmmaker, I'd rather them just watch the film and take away from the film what they will. I'm always reluctant to kind of add on things after the fact because I feel that sometimes people's own ideas are, are as beautiful, if not more so than my own, regarding some of the unspoken things. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. But to answer your question, I always saw them as just, they're, they're just a different tribe. And there's multiple tribes. There's not only these two. In my mind, there were far more. You know, one of the most appealing things for me about Predator character is the hunt itself. So as we had the a pass at the draft at a draft we came up with some ideas and i believe that maybe robert also had some ideas in the original draft that kind of touched upon hunting culture so i wanted i really leaned into that as much as i could and uh hence the flushing with with the dogs and the uh the falconer and and the tactics incorporated were all hunting techniques or styles that we tried to incorporate from reality into our story. So the hunt was always something that I found to be especially fascinating about it. I'm sorry, I don't. that wasn't even part of the question, but I wanted just to throw it out. <laughs> That's fine. I, I liked the introduction of the different techniques as well, because I think it, it went towards showing the diversity of the predators, as well as all their different facial um, or, or body appearances. I, I think that the difference in ideologies and techniques is just is just as fascinating. Yeah, it, it certainly was one of the most interesting things I, I found about Predators was this other tribe and how they operated, you know, in some ways the same, but in, in other ways differently to to what we had seen in, in the previous films. But yeah, personally, I had always noticed like uh, prominent physical differences between the classic Predator and the three Berserkers. I had noticed like their, their feet were a little more slender and their dreadlocks were kind of more swept back. And Sideshow Collectibles came out with these two skulls. They had one of... of Mr. Black and one of the classic Predator and they looked different to me. So so personally, I had always kind of interpreted them as like, well, maybe they're like a subspecies. They're just like a natural occurring, like similar, but but different. I, I don't know. I, I thought that the different tribe angle was honestly that one of the many factors about Predators that I that I just really loved was that widening of the universe and that exploration into um, the the tensions between the different tribes. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's something that we can relate to as humans. I mean, you know, since man has been man, we've been fighting each other for one reason or another, usually foolish reasons. But I, I thought that that was also fascinating. And something like you said, the world building aspect of it was what was really fun for me. And, and, and we also, you know, we were blessed with an opportunity to have seen what had worked in previous films and, and what felt like it didn't work as well. <laughs> So we had a bit of, of hindsight to take advantage of as well. And, you know, the suit designs and K&B did an incredible job on the suits. I still uh, am in awe of Nicotero and, and what his team had done for us. They were incredible, incredible. I, I to this day, and I was, you know, just to, again, just to geek out, just to give the fans some insight into, into what a geek I am during the berserker classical predator battle in, in, in one of the uh, i think we were capturing the the epic shot of the two blades clashing as they you know as they first slam into one another and the classical predator's blade broke off the tip of the blade about a six inch length tip of the blade broke off and 
fell into the mud. It was pretty evident on the take as well. We had to go again. So while they were resetting and no one was paying attention, or I thought no one was paying attention, I sneaked onto the to the set and I stole the, uh, the broken piece of Predator Blade <laughs> nice. and uh, put it in my pocket. And as, I, I, as, I, as I'm leaving the crime scene and I think I've, I've gotten away with it, I see Greg Nicotero staring at me. <laughs> like, he, like, he's looking at me like, what, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I said, man, this was a, a piece of history right here. This is a broken blade from a predator battle, man. I still have it to this day. It's one of my the few possessions that I've kept from some of the films that I've made. So That's awesome. What, what else do you yeah. have from from your time on Predators? Uh, I have a skull. I have a, I have a classic Predator skull that was in the mud as they were approaching the camp the hunting camp and i was gifted i was gifted something beautiful at the end of the shoot by nick Otero. and uh, we went out to dinner we had a wonderful dinner and at the end of the dinner we're walking out and saying our goodbyes and he says oh you know and he and he said it almost as an afterthought he's like oh i, I got something for you in the trunk let me just give it to you real quick and he opened up the trunk and, and in it were the three masks the three predator masks Nice. And I don't there I don't believe there were the screen used masks. I think that Robert has those in his office, but I was given the backup masks that were sitting on the truck. If one of the masks on the on the floor if we would have had some concern then those were the screen ready masks ready to go. So I, I still have those three masks that I'm very proud of. Nice. That's a, that's another that's question we usually ask our guests yeah. is if they're able to procure any souvenirs from from the set. So now that you've told us that, yeah, we'll, those, we'll skip that one. Yeah, that that's that's something we got, and um, and then I also had to go and I had to purchase. Now, I, now I want to be I want to be correct because one of the companies was super awesome. NECA NECA was super awesome. And there's a gentleman that worked there whose name is eluding me right now. I believe Falk maybe was his yeah, name. Yeah, Randy Falk is the head of production. Randy Falk. All right, yeah. Randy Falk is a rock star because Randy Falk somehow reached out to me and he knew that I loved all geek stuff and he was kind enough. NECA was kind enough to hook me up with the first series of our films figures, which was super cool of NECA and Randy Falk. So big shout out to Randy Falk. You're a rock star, Randy Falk. I have to go and buy the hot toys. <laughs> predators but um i was more than happy to do that not throwing shade at hot toys or anything don't don't misunderstand me but i did i did need to purchase those for myself yeah the hot toys ones can can be a little pricey i have i have a few of those myself i think my girlfriend has the berserker though so it's cool to see him very good very good she, she has good taste <laughs> i think i ended up with the berserker with his mask off berserker with his mask on and classic from necker i think i've still got those i remember I yeah I remember popping into town to pick those up after work when they came in. Yeah, I was I was super psyched to see it in the store, and then Randy was kind enough to hook me up with with, with a set of my own. So I was very I still have those boxed away, and yeah, one day my kids will have them. You mentioned earlier was about the world building elements of, of Predators, and one of the law expanding and the world building things i love from predators was the inclusion of the river ghost back when the film came out you know i i did a bit of a piece on on the river ghost and spoke to some of the designers and um the performers and stuff like that and the impression i got was that he was originally supposed to have a larger presence in earlier drafts of earlier drafts of the film now, i never knew if this was hold over from robert rodriguez's draft or whether this was alex and uh, mike's early draft of the film but, but was was that was that true was, was did the river ghost have a, a larger presence in earlier iterations of the script 
for some reason, for me, it's not, nothing's coming to mind. In the original Rodriguez draft, I know that there was, you know, there were a lot of aliens present. There was a lot of different creatures that were, that were moving about. And once we got to, to our draft, I believe the river ghost was only that one thing just to kind of understand that other, other creatures are being thrown down into here. Finding the cage and the remnants, you know, the skin was also the same intention. But I think the river ghost, by the time we got to our draft, if I recall correctly, the river ghost was only that, that one scene specifically, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I, I, I may be, I may be wrong. That's fair enough. Do you think there's space in a Predator film for like a more prominent sort of alien, other alien prey? Do you think that would work? You know, I, d- I don't think that it's something that should be focused on. I think that the the, the Predators themselves and, and their universe, it's much like Boba Fett. I think the less, less we know, <laughs> the better the more intriguing. And I think that in with monsters in general, I think we have to be pretty cautious with, with how much we're showing and how much we're revealing, whether it be physically with light or whether it be with story. I think that we should always be cautious. It's, it's, a, it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is a balance. And I don't think you want to saturate a specific franchise with other you know beasts and creatures. The Predator films have always been really about them hunting us and uh, us being humans. And if you need the human, I'm not sure we'll be able to connect as much with a three-legged, you know, mutant monster from space being chased by a predator. So I would always be cautious about saturating the universe too much. And I think that the main focus always should be the predator. But going back to just how much you reveal a monster. And I think that a lot of the strengths of, of Ridley Scott's original alien film was was how much the creature was kept in the shadows and how and how little we knew about it. I think that made it all the more scarier. And as we've progressed as filmmakers and, and storytellers, I've found that a lot of I don't know if the right word is progressed, but there's been a it's like almost pulling the shoots off and just let's show them everything. I've always had I've always had issue to be quite frank with with behind the scenes. And I know that I'm offending a lot of people saying this but i always felt that part of the magic is is not knowing part of the magic is not seeing everything and i think that goes for the Predator universe as well i think that we should be cautious as to how much we show things i know that one of my big big concerns early on in the shoot was when we were doing the the trackers dogs arriving and uh the way you know our production schedule was set up and the way the story was written that was a that was a, a daytime sequence and you know my, my first thought was like good god it's like I'm going to be showing these things, you know, in the bright sun. And, and that's always, that's always something that I feel filmmakers need to, you know, again, going back to rules and of, of certain franchises and how you have to adhere to certain things when a universe has been established. I think, you know, monsters and, and presentation of monsters is, isn't always handled as elegantly or as well as it should or could be. Maybe we're showing too much. Which I, th- I think is probably also a problem that you have with sequels because where, where's the where's the balance between you've already seen it in the first film? Do you need to hold on to it as much in the next film? And where's that? You know, there's no there's no holding back at all. How do you balance that for franchises? Yeah, and I remember one of our big conversations early on was the original film, and I I, I used to remember the exact time. But in the original film, the Predator isn't shown, I think, until like 50 minutes into the film or something. I may be mistaken, and I don't want to speak foolishly, but I don't think you really get a clear look at him for, for quite a bit. And 
even if my timeline's off, I do know that, you know, for, for a big, big portion of that film, you don't see him. And it was awesome. It was great as far as tension building and as far as suspense goes, not knowing, not understanding what's coming after you, I think this was something that added to, to the cacophony of emotions that the characters were going through. And we, we knew we didn't have that luxury. We knew we didn't have the luxury of holding back because people are coming to see a, that's what they want to see. I think some of, uh, there's a, a big monster franchise that's, that's out right now. <laughs> I don't want to speak disparagingly of colleagues and I'm, I don't want to throw shade at, at any other film, but you know, it's a monster movie and about 80 minutes of the film is just dialogue. And I'm just thinking to myself, people have come here to see the monsters and I think we should, we should show them the monsters. So I may be contradicting myself now. It, it is a balance, I guess. And I don't think you always have to give viewers what they expect. I think you have to kind of, kind of go against that. But often you see franchises nowadays that have set certain tones and set certain atmosphere that is thrown out the window and disregarded. And then that becomes something else for me personally. It's not part of that film universe anymore. It's almost as if it's a parody of that universe now. Speaking about creatures then, uh, during the camp sequence when we're first introduced to the berserker predators there's a lingering shot of a skull on fire and it looks an awful lot like an alien skull from the alien films i was wondering if that was intentional or if that was just a you know me seeing what i wanted to see um that was not an alien skull though the one of my favorite moments as a fan was in the end of predator 2 seeing the predator skull there in the trophy room uh but no, I have to disappoint. That was not an alien skull in our... There's a piece of, I say this in quotation marks, trivia, where um, it was claimed that the Berserkers, um, you know, the, the jawbone on his uh, mask was also an alien skull, but I could never find where that came from. Is that is that urban myth as well? No, that was something that I was pushing for, actually, was augmenting the masks with bones and other things that they would have gathered along the hunt. And Nicotero had, uh, I think we, I was specifically talking about a jawbone early on, but then they, you know, they for the tracker, the KMB created those incredible tusks on the on the tracker. And my experience with KMB was, was also something phenomenal because they're such fans, first and foremost, and then, you know, you, you, you interject the talent that they have and the whole process became just, just a blast. But no, uh, it is some sort of alien bone. Not the alien that wears. No, okay. no. Predator seems to have been put together so fast. Did the short production time make the film more challenging to work compared to other films you had done? I think the only concern that I had was was the, the weight of responsibility that I felt towards fans and I wanted to make sure that I was not doing them a disservice. That was very important to me. But, you know, I think that often a rushed production, though never preferable, I think that sometimes it can lead to, to the things. And, and my aunt has a saying that over intellectualization is the death of doing. And as a filmmaker, you know, you're always saying, God, if I had a little more money or a little more time and then, you know, if you're given three more months and three more galactic credit, you're still going to say at the end of the day, God, I wish I had a little more money and a little more time. Never ending cycle. Yeah. And, and what, what is that wonderful saying that a filmmaker never finishes a film? He or she just stops making it. And I thought that was awesome. 
So I think that to answer your question, I storyboard everything I do. So I always feel a need to have more than enough time to like do all my boards. And for me, that's a wonderful communication tool towards the actors or towards my camera department or just for the entire crew. It's a wonderful communication device to have storyboards. So I know I do recall, though, that, you know, I was boarding some sequences you know, the, a few days before or, or the night before, because it was a, a hyper-aggressive production schedule. But that said, you know, Rod, Robert Rodriguez and his team made certain I was surrounded with, with a really great crew. I was, I was able to bring my director of photography that I had worked with on my first feature. But beyond him, it was pretty much the crew that Robert had been working with. And it was a blessing. You know, a, a filmmaker is only as good as the people that he or she is surrounded by. So to be given an opportunity to work with top folks, folks that are masters of, of what they do, it, it made my job way, way easier and uh, elevated the film. So yes, it was, it was frustrating that we were given such a little bit of time and it was frustrating knowing that, oh, we could do so much more. But at the end of the day, I was surrounded by such phenomenal folks and I was and I was I was so happy to go to shoot every day, man. You know, you're playing with a predator. <laughs> it really doesn't get better. So th- th- this this one's a bit of a two part thing, two part question here, and it is, you know, which scenes in Predator specific in Predators, sorry, specifically was most fun for you to film the experience of filming it on set, and on the reverse of that, which of the scenes in the film was the most fun to actually see all come together in the edit? Well, you know, some of the bigger action beats are visceral and they're just, they're, um, they, they, they give you a great kind of like, wow, okay, we, we pulled it off. That worked well. But I think that, you know, having Adrian slam into the ground, you know, using a controlled, a controlled descent, of course, but it looked violent nonetheless. And it was the first shot of the day was Adrian getting slammed into the ground as his parachute failed. And there's one specific shot. It's the shot that takes us into the into the Predator title card. It's the shot that takes us into that, which is just... Literally bang. We're on the floor looking up. Yeah, and he just comes down and wham, we slammed into the ground. And, you know, that was uh, when Adrian stood up. <laughs> I saw that he was, he was okay. Um, that was a pretty cool moment. And it's also, here we go. Such, such a cool cold open. That is one of my favorite opening scenes, that is, for a film. Yeah, I was I I love that opening and I thought that it was super fun and just it's jarring and and confusing and I think it's it's it was a great way to start things off with a bang. But you know, to answer your question, for me the shoots are often and I try to be very jovial with the crew and I try to definitely bring energies up and I try to, you know, give everybody love that's working long 12-hour days, but what I found uh for me, I'm always stressed, you know, I'm always stressed out. And you you have so much to achieve in any given day. Fortunately, you don't have much time to kind of ponder or just wonder what mistakes you're making. You usually aren't given that luxury. So it's always tough for me. It's tough for me to answer like what's what's a favorite scene when you're shooting because I'm literally uh, I'm so stressed out usually. And I I don't think the crew sees it. I don't think think the cast sees it. Or at least I, I try my best not to let them see it. But, you know, you have so much anxiety. It's part of your burden as a director, isn't it? You know, the calm and collected appearance. Yeah, you, you, and it's understandable. You know, I mean, you, you, no one wants to see a guy, you know, flipping out and losing his shit on the floor. That's a bad look. But at the same time, you know, it, it, and it's a schizophrenic, it's a schizophrenic thing as well because we're not curing cancer. 
we're, we're playing. And, you know, you always have to remind yourself not to take yourself too seriously. You can, you can take your work seriously, of course. So the schizophrenia comes from this, you know, we're not curing cancer, but at the same time, I do owe millions of fans the energy. I owe that to them because they're going to come and spend their hard-earned money. And, you know, the older I get, the more I realize they're going to spend their time. And time is important, man. And they're going to give that to you. They're going to give you two hours from their life. And that is that is a responsibility that I take very seriously. I feel like, okay, I got to really make sure that I'm on. And, and we're all human and we have good days and bad days. But yeah, it is part of the game is, is making sure you're calm and collected. And, I, and by the way, I'm not always calm and collected. I mean, I've, I've certainly, I certainly make mistakes all the time, but it's certainly something you, you want to strive for. And it's something that you want to. My friend, uh, a producer that I had worked with recently had seen that I was, I'd experienced something that was a little unjust. And uh, as the injustice was, it was, was transpiring. I was able to kind of, I didn't really, you know, put my cards out. I was able to hold it together. And a colleague of mine was witness to this. And he wrote me a text later that evening. And he, and he said, listen, man, so proud of you. Thought that, you know, you handled that so well. And he says, in my, in my life, when I've suffered what I've deemed injustice, I found solace in a drunk, desolate, genius poet. And let me leave you with a, with a quote from Charles Bukowski, he says to me. And, and the quote is something that has become super important for me of late. And, and, it, and it pertains to what we're talking about. And that is, the quote itself is, you will be forever judged by how you choose to walk through the fire. And I thought that was super cool. I thought that idea of, of you know, there's, there's always going to be fire, man. The question is, is how you choose to walk through. And I thought that was beautiful. So I think for a filmmaker, often the ultimate thing you're servicing, the goal is the film. And, and you want to make sure that you're doing your best for the film. And you always have to keep that in mind. That always has to be the target that you're, mm-hmm. that you're going for. And, and then, you know, and then being a human comes into the into play. And, <laughs> and the egos come into play. And all the other horrible things that slow us down and sidetrack us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was just a question of kind of avoiding those things. Anyway, I don't want to get too philosophical here. I was just- no, it's it's great. I think I think you're right though. I think for creative types, it's it's just really easy for us to be our own harshest critics, and and I think it's easy to get lost in that sometimes. Certainly, and you frighten yourself into an action. You can psych yourself out so much that you do nothing. And I'd rather fall down and make a fool of myself, but at least I can say I tried. Yeah. And I think filmmakers, a lot of you know filmmakers in general, or aspiring filmmakers, they stop themselves. Because because they think, oh, I don't know, I can't do this, or I'm not. They psych themselves out. And I think it's also very important that you continue. And, and sometimes it's tough, man, if you don't have the great foundation to build off of, you know, it, you'll always be able to get in your own way. But I, I fortunately, I, you know, I have a family that loves me, and I got people that kind of keep me straight when they see me going off course. That's great. Yeah. I, um, my photo one teacher recommended a book to me called, uh, art and fear by David Bales. That really speaks to a lot of this and it's definitely an interesting book, but yeah, we're, we're let to, to get back to the predators conversation. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> like with aliens, the title implies a larger number of predators and we got four different predators with three being part of their own clan. Three was also the number of predators that were featured in the hunting group in Paul W.S. Anderson's alien versus predator. Was this an intentional reference? No. So the original Rodriguez draft had many, 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 many predators. And I think we, we realized early on that it's, it's 
first of all, we're, we're going to need the viewers going to need to understand, you know, what the end game is. How how many are they up against? And I thought that it was important to for the viewer to understand how many enemies there are here that 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 they've been dealt. Um, also understanding and knowing that a complete crack unit was you know taken out by one, it became important to the story that you can't have if you have a if you have a, a squadron. You have a, a you know a whole troop of, of predators. It's not going to end well for for whoever is standing on the other side of that. So we wanted to right away limit the numbers and kind of bring it in, and that's where the hunting techniques and all that started to play a more important role. As we started to kind of bring them to, to lessen their numbers, we could focus more on them as well and and give them their own little their own attributes that made them more interesting. You know, but no. To answer your question, the number itself, three is a magical number in general, but but it was not intended that we, you know, we weren't referencing the AVP films in any way. Yeah, and I think AVP itself had originally planned five as well. But keeping on the topic of references, there are two lines in Predators. Isabel says, I'll do us both, and Royce is the enemy of my enemy line. Were those intentional references back to Aliens or Alien versus Predator? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know that because I don't recall when we wrote that line. If, if they were, if they, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. Sorry. No worries. As, as a fan, it was a fun thing to kind of pick up on because those were notable lines that had been said before by Hicks as well as um, uh, Sebastian, right? Or Lex, Lex said that. Yeah, I, I think that in general, we were trying to say to just Predator and though, you know, the, the alien, of course, the alien skull and, and Predator 2 and, and of course the ATP films, but we were trying to veer away from that and, and concentrate more on, on just the, on our, on our tribe. No, that's fair enough. It's absolutely fair enough. So le- leading up to Predator's release, there was a, a lot of speculation and talk as to whether or not Arnie and Dutch would make an appearance in the film. Uh, in the one... Yes. Scripts of your incarnation of Predators that leaked. Arnie shows up in the end in Predator Ship in and in Predator Gear. And I believe there was even talk that Lauren Fishburne's Noland would have originally been Danny Glover. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how seriously those possibilities were thought about. All true. And uh specifically Arnie we made a big push for. At the time he was really finishing his governorship if i'm not mistaken or he had just finished he was just about to leave the house i think he was just about to finish that up so that that wasn't something that we could make happen we tried we wanted it and i thought it would have been awesome i think it would have really tied things together and you know glover glover came up into conversation as well so those were all true those were all things that that at one point we were we were visiting as far as ideas was it ever actually you know written written down on the page you know that um it was it was harrigan instead of noland or was that all just you know talk on the side perhaps this thing could happen kind of stuff i don't know i don't recall how the danny glover thing played out and again guys i apologize because it was like 10 years ago but but i do know that both characters we had entertained the idea of bringing both characters back in and i actually know that there were attempts made with arnold at least to to secure him uh, in a role but as we know, that that unfortunately didn't happen. I've met him since. I, I was able to meet him once before, and and, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. So of course, it would have been great. It would have been an awesome opportunity to work with him, and I think it would have done the story good too. Maybe in the next life. Everybody will always want him back for the next Predator film. I don't think that'll ever change. Oh, I mean, yeah. When I met him, I was asking him about King Conan. 
It's like, when are we doing, when's King Conan? When are we going to be able to see King Conan? Funny. Keeping on the topic of Nolan then, who is Lawrence Fishburne's character, one of the things that I loved about Predators was that it implies so much history and so much background that is just ripe for exploring in you know in the expanded universe and one thing in particular i've always wondered about is that drill that nolan's living in yeah in the script that leaked i think it was just a cave and then when the film came out it was it was this whole drill rig it's it's kind of suggests that perhaps another race originally owned that moon or planet yes there was some there was some incredible drilling going on over there and and again just implying it was was enough for us and and I felt it gave this incredible breath to the to the world suddenly. You know, when you see those strange devices and when you understand I think the intention there as well was 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 I think it, it started from a production design question of like a cave? Are we just gonna be looking at dirt walls behind us? And and I think those are the conversations that led to ultimately how about this crazy device embedded in the wall? And at that point in, in the franchise, those kinds of things I thought I, I felt were well well received. Just adding to the world building of it all. Yeah, and some really impressive practical sets for the, for that scene as well. Yeah, our production designers did a great job. Hmm. Let's talk working with the predators themselves then so from you know all the behind the scenes stuff all the interviews that you were doing at the time going into predators i don't believe you had much experience with working with visual effects and the fight sequence in particular was a scene that between the predators was the scene that you said you were most scared of filming so i was just wondering could you tell us a little bit about your experience actually filming with the predator suits it's funny the uh, the performers you know their heads are covered in latex essentially so you can't use your normal voice when you speak to them because they, they can't hear you. So the first time first time Predator came to the floor, I, I went over and I, I said something and he couldn't hear me properly, which I didn't understand that at that moment. But he looks at me and goes, what? And he, the way he had raised his voice. And, the way, and, you know, there's this like seven foot tall standing in front of me, like raising his voice. It was an interesting moment. No, I mean, I was in awe. And I think maybe the fight sequence was, I was concerned with the fight sequence. Any time, and again, this goes back to how much do you show of a monster and how, how any moment the viewer has an opportunity to go, it's a guy in a suit. You're not doing your job well. So I felt maybe concerned regarding how to approach that purely from a, man, we got to pull this off. And it has to be believable, and it's got to, of course, be visceral and powerful. I mean, it had to serve many masters. I think maybe that's why I was concerned, you know, going into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize here because I realize a lot of my questions have probably been taxing your memory. But I, I always, I'm always fascinated by the uh, movie archaeologist sort of aspect of the behind the scenes kind of things. No, certainly, and 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 believe me, I'm more than willing to share everything. It's just that some of the things just don't come to mind, and, and you know, it's, there's so much minutia involved. Often, I my memory doesn't serve me properly, so I don't want to. I don't want to mis misspeak. That's fair. Uh, I'm I'm wondering how, because <laughs> this one's probably going to tax you as well, because I cannot for the life of me remember where it came from, but I remember hearing it, and um, it it was about the concept of making Isabel Alicia Braga's character. An alien. Uh, I remember there being some talk of her being a shapeshifter, but I, I can't remember where this came from. Um, can you shed any light on that? You know, actually, I do think I remember that. And I think that was my idea. And it was shot down. I had an idea, and I, and I don't 
recall where I wanted to go with it. I thought, I think that I was bumping with plausibility as far as, you know, certainly we, we couldn't have any sort of like romantic relationship in the middle of this madness between them. And I think that some of the script had a bit of like flirtation going on that I felt was, I just wasn't buying it in a situation like that. It's like, come on, man. You know, and I know that it's fun and it's cinema and sometimes you have to exaggerate a bit, but it just didn't feel plausible. I, I was having trouble with her relationship with them, with him, with Royce. And I think that it was something that I was, I don't know, I thought I was being creative with it. It was shot down as an idea. I still think that I had a cool solution or fix and maybe it had something to do with the finale as well. But I, I think that idea came from me, and I think, and I, and I know it was shot down ultimately. Couldn't I couldn't convince the powers that be? But but, so, but clearly it wasn't a strong me. idea because it, it, it. But it clearly wasn't a strong idea because I don't remember what it was. So, <laughs> but but her being an alien is something I do remember presenting at one point or another. I'm j- I'm just happy that's not me making up memories. I am. I really am. <laughs> no, that is not. That is actually that is. I do remember that. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. As as far as the movie archaeology stuff goes, that's actually the last one um, in terms of obscure things from the past. Very cool. Very cool. But this next one is, I think it's going to be a bit of a touchy subject because it pisses me off because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Predators and I will I will defend this film to the fucking grave when it comes to some of the criticisms levied at it. And one of the most common complaints is that it's a remake of the first. And I can hate that complaint. I disagree with it strongly. But it does contain certain repeated elements and beats. Now, you've spoken in the past about making certain creative decisions as to not to be seen as remaking the first film. So with that in mind and that criticism, you know, what, what do you think of that complaint? Especially considering you deliberately tried not to be seen to be doing that. First of all, I respect everybody's opinion, and if I, I myself have films that I am fond of that friends of mine dislike, I have films that I hate with passion, my, my heart actually starts to pound. I hate the films so much. There are a few of those, and, uh, and I have friends who love those films. So first and foremost, I respect everyone's opinion, and, and, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. As far as as myself, I put a lot of effort into it. I put a lot of energy into it. And I know my intentions were, were in the right place. I know that I was coming at it as a fan and I was coming at it trying to ensure that we had the best film at the end of the day and, and, and a film that fans would love or fans would like. So I can, I can promise even those that, that didn't care for the film, I can make them a promise and say that, you know, I really did give it my all. Their retort, maybe I'm a shitty filmmaker or, or whatever, you know, their response to that is. And, and again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But I, I really, you know, I was surrounded by a group of talented folks. I really did give it my all. And I am proud of, of, of the product that we have at the end of the day. And I've received hot and cold for the film. And listen, of course, on a human level, it's like, yeah, man, I, I put in years of my life and I, I put in a lot of effort and a lot of love and of course, when I hear a comment that I feel is unjust or or I feel is off, it it, it rubs me the wrong way. But at the same time, you know, I, I I know where my heart lies and I know how much love I gave it. So that's what I have to rely on. But as far as as far as people misconstruing homage to, and it's a fine line, by the way, clearly, you know, and it's a balance that you're trying to find. But one of the my favorite moments in the film are some of the moments that recall a feeling 
from the first film, the very reason we're all here in the first place. I mean, we're all watching Predators because of Predator. And I think that I would be doing a bigger disservice if I turn it into a comedy, or I would be doing a bigger disservice if I turn my back to it and say, I want to do something so original and different that it, it no longer resembles why we're all here in the first place. So I have an understanding as to sometimes it can be too much. You can feel that an homage is too much. But I think, like I said, we were all there. Everyone sat down to see that film because of the first. And I think you, you owe the first the respect and you owe the first the love it deserves. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I, and I totally agree with you, Aaron. I think, I think it is an unfair criticism. And, and Nimrod, honestly, I think Predators walks the line between nostalgia and original, originality perfectly. Like for me, I've, I've always like totally disregarded that criticism that it was um, kind of a beat for beat retread of, of the original film. I mean, yes, you have some aesthetic similarities, like you're in a jungle with a group of people, but the group of people are totally different. They don't know each other like they did in the in the original Predator. Um, exactly. And you're on an alien planet for that matter. Uh huh. Which is also a rough, you know. I mean, there's there's so much difference in it that I, I also found it odd that 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 was an argument. But you can say you don't like a film, or that you found the pacing to be off, or or whatever to be off, and and, and that's valid as well. But you know, and listen, casting the film had a lot to do with trying to go against the grain. I mean, there were at the time and are now a lot of guys, actors who are big and and cut and strong and they have continued the tradition of what Sylvester Stallone and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger represented in our generation or the generation that grew up watching those films. You know, we had the iterations then 10 years ago and there are iterations of them currently. And I think that would have been a bigger disservice trying to mock you know, the original cast by putting in, you know, just guys who are buff. And I mean, that would have been doing everybody again a disservice because I don't know. I felt, I think that, I think that we were trying to do something, like you said, trying to do something that was different and original, but we were very conscientious of our roots and very conscientious of why we're all here. We're here for the predator. And I want that click to sound the same. I want his vision when it comes up to have that same effect as a filmmaker because I'm making a Predator film. Yeah, that's just consistency. That's not homage. Exactly, exactly. And and quite frankly, as a fan, I find sometimes I'm rubbed the wrong way when I'm you know sitting into a franchise that I know well that represents certain things, and and suddenly I'm faced with something that's very different tonally, very different in every respect to to the that I so care for and, and love. I just remember how pissed off everybody was in AVP when the infrared had changed. You know, just something as simple as that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like you, like we, we said when we were discussing the tribes, all, all we were trying to do again was just further expand upon a universe, not change it, not change the, 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 the foundations of the structure, just build build onto it. That's what our intention was. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely fair. But, 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 you know, listen, man, and, and again, to the ones who didn't like it or have issue with it, by the way, I think that, that opinions have changed as, as, as the years have passed. I've noticed that as well, that some people have more love for it now or people's opinions have changed. But yeah, for the people that didn't like it or for the fans that didn't care for it, and from the bottom of my heart, man, I, I, I gave it my best go. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think it shows. I mean, Aaron and I have given far more than two hours to, the, to, to that movie and I expect we'll be giving more. It's, it's a great film as far as we're concerned. I, I took a lot I really appreciate it. Actually, <laughs> for how much I stepped up to Predator early, uh, Predators early on. I got a hate club on IMDb. 
for my positive <laughs> review of the film. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you had to incur that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That is their problem, not mine. So I fucking love there you go. There you I, go. I can't say it enough, you know. Anyway, I, the cesspool that is the IMDb message boards is long gone. That's not a problem anymore. <laughs> No, certainly not. Certainly not. And and you know the funny thing is is that is that uh, you know I'm I'm a fan too, and I, I I can become very animated in in conversation, and 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 I get it. You know I understand I understand that people. I guess it's also just part of you know our toxic times, and things have become quite toxic. And I think that you know with 2010, I think the the, the fan uh, message boards and and the forums were were chock full, and yeah, a lot of very divisive times. And I think that was kind of I remember that being the start around around a decade ago was about the start of when you can tell that there was a big divide growing in fandom in in general. And I don't even quite understand like even what side they're on or i don't think but you can tell that the arguments as far as like just passionate arguments as far as cinema it's almost as as brutal as as our politics are nowadays (laughs) yeah that's about right so was there anything you really wanted to do on predators but just weren't able to any cut scenes you would have preferred to have included in the film there's sequences that I would have now I, I was at the time we were just we were slammed and there was just no way we could give it more time. And but if I would have had a few more days with Nolan and that whole sequence and and I think that we could have done a bit of a bit of a cleaner job around that area of the film. I think that these are again are things that don't matter to the viewer at the end of the day. You know, you watch a film and you determine whether it's good or not. And what transpired behind the scenes is irrelevant. You know, no one, no one really cares. They, um, all that matters is what they're seeing on the screen. But you know, we were incurring a lot of. Uh, we had a slam schedule. I mean, we shot the whole thing like in forty some odd days, if I'm not mistaken. It was like it was a sh- for something wanting to be bigger and 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 to have the spectacle that we had and and the suits and everything else that slows production down. It's uh yeah, time. You always want more time, I guess. I think that's it. But then again. It's not. It's funny. Sometimes I'll I'll meet someone, and, and there are certain films that I've made that, that hold a special place in my heart, and there are other films that I'm proud of each one, and I've I put in as much effort into each one, but there are some that I just closer to my heart than others, and it's funny because I'll meet someone who will say, "Oh, I hated that film." You know, maybe one of the ones that I'm more proud of. I hated that film. Oh, but I really loved this other one, and then they'll mention something that I get the most flack for. You know, and. I find that fascinating. I always find that I always find that fascinating that as a as a filmmaker it's not my job and I shouldn't want to judge what I do. It's like everybody else that's for the for the viewers to determine as to whether it works or doesn't. My opinion really doesn't matter in that regard. I always come back to the phrase there's no accounting for taste. Yep. Yeah. Things are just subjective. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And things that I think are awesome, you know, other people like I don't understand why they haven't made Time Bandits. Think about Time Bandits. I think that's one of the most incredible films ever. <laughs> why isn't there Time Bandits? Though I think Apple is making a Time Bandits television show, if I'm not mistaken. So, but yeah, it's each his own, man. You know, everybody has their own opinion, and everyone has their own taste. And I just hope I make I make things that more people like than don't. At the end of the day, I guess that's all you can strive for. Well, we're fast approaching the tenth anniversary of of Predators. You know, next next year will be the big one zero. And after all this time, you know, all the you know your 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 later movies, your experience on the later stuff, and and just time. You know, when you look back 
at your experience on Predators. Are you happy with that final result? Are you happy with the film? I'm very proud. Yes, yes, yes. I am happy with the film. I am happy with the film and I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of the, uh, the people that I had the opportunity to work with. And I am, you don't realize what a gift something is often when you're, you know, too close to it. So yes, with time and with distance, it's, and it was a hard thing for me to make. And it was a hard thing to go through because, you know, you're, you're trying your hardest and there's stress involved and all that. But at the same time, I feel like it's one of the biggest gifts I've received in my life to be able to partake in a film and in a universe that I grew up loving. It was, uh, it was awesome. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, you know? And aside from a single comic book sequel, we we never got to see what happened to Royce and Isabel after the screen faded to black. I believe Adrian Brody and Alice Braga were contracted for a follow-up, but unfortunately that never happened. Did you put any thought into where you might take a potential sequel? I'm often cautious to do things like that because, you know, filmmaking is kind of a heart-crushing experience often where the only way to, to really create something is if you do it with love, right? I mean, the only way to write a script that you're really excited about or, or create a story that you're really about is if you're passionate about it and if you give it a hundred and and then you'll you're, you're often you know in the environment in the business we work in you know hundreds of projects die every day <laughs> and until something is showing a kind of a, a chance for life i mean I, I write my own stuff all the time that you know either people like or don't or doesn't go anywhere and, I, and it's, it kills you when you put your effort into something and you think man it would be you, you put all your energy into it you believe you can make it you can believe you can do something good with it and then it doesn't happen and that can be just it can destroy you if you really you know, the only way you can do something good is if you really believe in it, but then you really have to put your heart out there. So to be really honest with you, given that there was never any real movement regarding a sequel from the studio, I never, never really wanted to allow myself to kind of dream, see where it was going because it would have killed me. I, of course, we had ideas when we were finishing it up and we all had, you know, Robert had some ideas about where to go with it. I had my own ideas about what we could do with it, but we never were able to sit down and share those ideas because there was never any real serious movement from the studio's part. Just out of curiosity, did you ever read those graphic novels? Um, I think there was three. There there was one that kind of went through the different characters' introductions that happened before the events of your film. I, I had I had read them. I had gone through those books. Yes, yes. Do you remember much of those sort of ideas you had for, for a potential continuation? Is that something you can tell us? You know, listen, I, I would be more than happy sit down and like have a longer conversation about where where it could have gone but i think it's like just a tagline i wouldn't want to throw anything out right now does okay. that make any sense yeah yeah that's fair enough totally fine. that is actually everything from us uh today everybody who submitted a question if it didn't get in in some fashion in what i'd already written i do apologize but i'd gone so overboard that i didn't want to tag on a ton more on the end of what i'd already written so apologies um just for the listeners who submitted Nimrod, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. We really do appreciate it. Uh, but before we sign off, is there just a blanket question? Is there anything you'd like to say, any anecdote, any thought, anything specifically that we just haven't given you the opportunity to put across that you would like to share with the listeners? No, again, I just want to thank everyone that listened. And, and for me, it was really a wonderful moment in my life to uh, have an opportunity to play with the Predator. I hope that people loved, loved it as much as I did. For the ones that do, thank you very much. And for the ones that I'll try harder. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Adam again. 
Again, I just want to give a very special thanks to Nimbron Antal for joining Aaron and I for this conversation. It was great to have some insight into, honestly, I think one of both of our favorite films in, in the franchises. We did want to give a special shout out and thank you to Nick of Hybrid Network, who facilitated this connection. So thank you very much, Nick. If you want to follow us, you can find us on our main site, avpgalaxy.net. And we have uh, forums and discussion boards on there if you want to have conversations with our community. You can also find us on our social channels on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So this has been Adam Zeller. I'm Aaron Percival. Get into the chopper.